Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Amen, amen. It's not church unless Jesus shows up, right? Amen. I'm so thankful that you are here, but I'm thankful that God is here as well. Amen. Because it's all about him. Where would we be without Jesus? We would not be here today, that's for sure. Man, I'm thankful for his grace, his love, his mercy. Amen. I'm thankful that everyone has come out today. Amen. To hear me preach. Thank you so much. I, I know I'm standing between you and all the good stuff, but maybe maybe I can say some a few good things uh, to help get you thinking. And as we're standing, we go to the word of the Lord today. Um, if you haven't been in a Pentecostal church, um, we want to welcome you. Uh, it might be a little bit different than what uh, you're used to. But the Bible talks about praising God with raising hands and singing and shouting and dancing. And so if that's in the Bible, we want, on, we want a part of that. We want to do that. Because we also know there's other great things in the Bible like healing, deliverance, amen, and all those things. And so we want it all. We want all the Bible. Amen. And so uh, uh, we follow after uh, the Spirit of God. So thankful that you are here today. Amen. The book of James, the second chapter. Amen. We'll read one verse to keep it quick. Uh, James 2.23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, for he was called the friend of God. Amen. I want to be the friend of God as well. Don't you? Amen. Turn to a few people around you, shake their hands, and greet them as you're seated today. Man, they, they say, whoever they is, but they say that uh, Eskimos have 50 different words for snow. Now, I don't, we don't even know what that word is down here, but they have apparently over 50 words for snow. And I don't speak Eskimo or Inuit, however, uh, whatever language that is, and so I guess I'll have to take they's word for it. 50 words for snow... Uh, doesn't register with us because uh, when we use multiple words to describe something like snow, we use uh, compound words, we use adjectives to describe uh, a noun. But the, uh, the Eskimo people combine nouns and adjectives to make a single word. So we would say, people would say, there's snow on the ground. Uh, and they... The Eskimos would say, Kanikak. We would say the snow was really fine, fine snow, and they would say, Kanviluk. Uh, we would say, fresh snow, and then they would say, Nutariuk. Uh, and so the way we would say, snowflake, and they would say, Kanuk. And so they have all these adjectives and nouns, and they all compress them to make one word. And so 
That is how you can arrive at 50-plus words for a single thing like snow. It's because all the adjectives, they make a new word for that. And as strange as that might sound to us, we do the same thing with some words as well. Clearly, the word snow was not in our vocabulary down here. But how about the word friend? How do we define friend? Someone asks you, are, is that person your friend? And we kind of stare back at them puzzled like, friend? What do, you, what do you mean by friend? What do you mean by friend? We have lots of friends, but this friend isn't the same as that friend. We have a close friend, but he's not my best friend. We have imaginary friends, and we have childhood friends, but that isn't my trusted friend, or rather they are a former friend, or maybe they're a longtime friend, but they're still not a close friend to me. Uh, they're a true friend, but still they're not my BFF. And don't get me started on our four-legged friends. And so maybe we just really haven't thought about it, but our word friend can have a complex definition. Kind of like the word snow for the Eskimos. And friends are, are special people. Uh, we, can't, we can't pick our family. We're just, our family is just kind of given to us, whether we like them or not. They're just there. Uh, and we're limited by the amount of family members that we have. Uh, but our friends, we can have as many friends as we want. And we can have uh, as many, they can be as diverse and as infinite as much. And as many adjectives as we can come up with, we can have that many different types of friends. Our friends, in a very real sense, reflect the choices that we make in life. We have different friends at different stages in life, and uh, when you're younger, you probably had some crazy friends, and you all went out and did crazy stuff. And if you still have those same friends, maybe you still do crazy stuff. Uh, but we have uh, all kinds of different friends, and we have friends that used to be close friends at one time, but now they're not really so close anymore. We used to have our friends that were in our wedding. And now you haven't talked to them since the wedding. So what happened? I thought, you, I thought we were friends. So time has a, a, a great impact on us. And uh, our friends can come and go. But we, the special thing about friends is that we're able to relax with our friends. We're able to sit back and, and chill and just kind of be ourselves with these people. Uh, that is one of the great benefits of this relationship, this friendship that we have, is that there's really no performance necessary unless you are trying to outperform each other and doing crazy stuff, and then there's always a performance. But with friends, we let our guard down, we relax, we laugh, we enjoy the moment, and that is because friends, we, we, we relate to each other. The nature of friendship is reciprocal. It, it goes back and forth. We, it's kind of a it's give and take, and uh, we, we're, we're in this relationship because we have a good time together, and we both contribute, and we both take from it. We, we call or text to meet up because friends add value to our life. 
They add their spice of life through laughter, love, experiences. Uh, we Friends are a great part of our life. And let's admit it, that those people who do nothing but drain you, they're not the ones that you're calling to hang out with. Maybe it's just me. But... Uh, no, they've, you've moved them from onto the former friend list, and they just haven't figured that out yet, and they're still trying to call. But Proverbs gives us a few glimpses of what this word friendship means in having friends. Proverbs 17, 9, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth friends. That's powerful there. He that repeateth a matter separates friends. Friends don't like friends talking about them. Um, and if, and uh, it, people that keep repeating behavior that we don't like, it can easily separate friendships, right? We, we're just like, man, I just can't hang out with you anymore. Just, you just, uh, we're just not friends. We're not close as we used to. And we, you're just getting another adjective. You're not a close friend anymore. Uh, Proverbs 16, 28, a forward man soweth strife. And a whisperer separateth chief friends. Friends, we have a bond. We have a relationship. And uh, a whisperer or a gossiper, somebody who talks behind our, our, our backs, that's going to separate our friendship because we, we value trust and, and strength and closeness. And a whisperer, somebody who gossips and, and, and tells things, that you've confided in your friend about, you're not going to be friends with them for very long because it separateth chief friends. Proverbs 19 and 4, wealth maketh many friends. I don't know about that. I'm not wealthy, so I can't. Uh, but I, if you're a wealthy, I'll be your friend. Wealth maketh many friends. That's a great statement there. Uh, Proverbs 19.6, many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. That's the truth. I'll be your friend. You give me gifts, I'll be your friend. We're all like that. We'll be anybody's friend for a while, as long as they're given gifts. But isn't that true? Maybe it's, you've experienced that in your life. But when you've had a lot of things or whatever, you've had friends, but all of a sudden you don't have that anymore, and then all of a sudden where would all your friends go? Anyone that ever happened to anybody? Yep, when all the, the good stuff runs out, uh, your friends kind of, your so-called friends disappear as well. Proverbs eighteen twenty four: a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. That's profound. That is profound. A man that hath friends, if you want friends, you've got to be friendly. If, uh, if you're not friendly, you're not going to have much friends. And so uh, if you want them, you've got to be friendly because friendship is give and take. It's reciprocal. It's, there's got to be some mutual benefit for both of us, for both parties, in order for the friendship to endure, we enjoy the time hanging out and we help each other out, we make each other laugh and we enjoy the company. And so it's give and take, it's reciprocal and so uh, it's mutual. And so a friend uh, has to be friendly to have friends. But the verse continues on and says, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. 
There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Can anyone relate to that? You've got some close friends that are always there. They may be closer to you than your family, your brothers, your sister. We're thankful for those close friends that are always there. But notice it doesn't say all friends. It says there is a friend that sticketh closest than a brother. These friends are really valuable to us, and they're always there for us, and we trust them, we can confide in them. If, if we need help, we know that they will stop at nothing. They will stop at what they're doing to come and to help us out, or at least try to help us out. And maybe these close friends will give them the key to our house, or we trust them with our kids, and we even try to give them our kids. But they won't take them. I don't get it. I thought we were close friends. I'm trying to give you a gift. And so um, I think we realize the value of friendship. We all have friends, had close friends. We all understand that. But Jesus tells us how valuable a friend can be. In John 15, 13, he says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That, my friends, that is a true friend right there. That is a true friendship. That is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That is somebody that you can trust. That is somebody that you can depend upon because a friend that will die for you is a friend that, that you would be moved with love to do exactly what their dying wish was. Especially if they died for you, we would we would. We don't know what we do. We would do whatever they wanted because you, you died for me. But how many of us uh, would really do that? That's a, an amazing example, Jesus, of a truly powerful example of love and of the ultimate friendship. But how many of us would be willing to lay down their life for their friends? I mean, we're, we're cool and all. And I like hanging out with you, but I don't know if I like you that much. I mean, I, I, I think we're probably more selfless when it comes to family, our, our, our husband, our wife, our children. We, we would lay down our lives for them, but for a friend. Hmm. That's really kind of pushing our friendship. That's really testing uh, our friendship if we'd be willing to lay down our life for a friend. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, he says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. And I think Paul is probably connecting a little bit to our reality because he says, Rarely. For a righteous man would some be willing to die. For a good man, some might consider the thought of dying for them. And think about the kindest, gentlest, nicest, most godly person that you know. And Paul says that the possibility of somebody laying down their life for that person is probably rare. 
Not many people would be willing to lay down their life for a righteous person, a, a good man. Think about, think about your life. If you were to die for somebody, if you were able to, to choose, say, yeah, I'm going to die for somebody, um, you would probably say, well, that person had better be a decent human being. If I'm going to give up my life for somebody else, they had better be a decent person. They had better be a good person. I'm not giving up my life for somebody that's, that's, uh, that's worthless. I'm not going to die for a criminal. I'm not going to die for somebody who doesn't care about the laws of our society. Why would I give up my life for that person? I'm, if I'm going to lay down my life, they had better be a loving individual, somebody who does good and helps other people, who just goes above and beyond, uh, right? Isn't that kind of what we're kind of thinking? If I give up my life, they had better be a good person. And let's be clear here, and, and in no way am I agreeing to die for them. I'm just considering the thought of doing that. Right? Isn't that kind of what Paul said? Peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. For a righteous man, rarely would somebody lay down their life for a righteous, good person. And so maybe, possibly, would I consider it for a good person, but that doesn't even mean that I'm going to do it. And so think about it. If, if not many people are even willing to die for the most righteous, the most godly person that we know. And let's face it, the rest of us are out of luck. Who's going to die for us? If we would even barely consider the thought of dying for a good person, who's going to die for us? We're not perfect. Uh, I hope that we try to live a good life, but even at that, there might be a few people that we know that would even possibly dare to die for us, who would die for those that are less than perfect? If only a few would be willing to die for the perfect ones. But thankfully, Paul does not leave us hanging there hopeless with verse 7, but he continues on in verse 8. He says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Jesus died for us. A sinner is a criminal in God's eyes. We broke the righteous laws of God, and Jesus says, I still die for you. I still love you so much that even though you were a sinner, even though you were an enemy, even though you cared nothing for me, you don't even want to, to love me or do anything that I said, even though you live a horrible life, I still will die for you. That is love, my friend. That is a true friend right there. If we would barely die for a good person, we surely would not die for an evil person. But God says, hey, I'm going to die for sinners. While were you, you were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. But James even says it like this in James 4.4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever is a friend uh, of the world is the enemy of God. Being a friend to the world means that we are an enemy to God. 
a sinner would be an enemy of God. And so get this, while we were not living right, Jesus still died for us. While we weren't doing good things, Jesus died for us. While we were the enemy of God and fighting against God, God says, I still love you so much that I would die for you. And while others would have looked at us and says, they're just worthless criminals. They're not worth laying down our life for. They're not worth saving. They're not worth dying for. God looked at you and said, they are not worthless. There is something inside of them. Their life is not meaningless. Even though they aren't living right right now, even though they may be my enemy, I see something good inside of them. I see some value in them. Even though they're evil now, I think that they are worth dying for. And aren't you thankful that Jesus died for you? Aren't you thankful that he went to the cross, that he took our sins upon his back, that he took our place upon that cross because all the sins that you and I have committed in our life, each and every one of them is punishable by death. Every sin is punishable by death in God's kingdom. And Jesus stepped in and said, I know what you've done. I know that you deserve to die, but I'm going to take your place. I'm going to take your place upon the cross. I will go and I will die for you because I love you so much. I'm thankful for the grace of God. Can we just take a moment to give God some praise? Can we thank him for his love, his mercy, his, his enduring love that he, while we were sinners, he still died for us. He deserves all of our praise. He deserves our glory. He deserves our life because we are living a life that we know that we don't deserve to live. Because nobody would die for us except Jesus. And so the question that we ask ourselves is why would Jesus die for a sinner? Why would he die for his enemy? Because we, we would barely die for a close friend. We're not dying for our enemy, that's for sure. I'm going to lay that out right there, right now. And so it's really simple. It's because he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. Scripture does say that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and there is a friend that will lay down his life for his friends. And whether we realize it or not, that we have a friend, and his name is Jesus. I think this friend has proven himself by what he's already done for us, that we can trust him. We can trust Jesus. We can go to him with whatever situation we have. We can cry out to him, we can pray to him, and we can come to him because he's already proven that he loves us because he died for us while we were yet sinners, and dying in our place is the only is only the beginning of the relationship that he wants with us. There is more that this friend Jesus does. For his friends besides dying for them. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And Jesus is the friend 
who has access to a lot of money and a lot of power. Those are nice friends to have. Those are nice friends to have. But he doesn't have really much friends, but he wants a lot of friends. In his father's house are many mansions, and Jesus is going to prepare a place for you and I, prepare a place for his friends, so that him and his friends can hang out together for all of eternity. That's what he wants. He wants uh, the friendships that we enjoy down here. God wants that with us up there. And earlier we read uh, in Proverbs that wealth maketh many friends, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Do you remember in high school, or maybe you know somebody now that has a lot of money and liked it to spend it on their friends, and you hoped that you were one of those friends, or maybe you were one of those friends, or maybe you became their friend because they had a lot of money? Um, uh, and and you may or may not have taken advantage of that relationship. We're not going to confess here today, but you may or may not have taken advantage of the wealth that your friend had. Uh, is that really a relationship or a friendship, though, when it's kind of one-sided? When one person does everything, he, they buy everything and they give everything and they do everything and they do it all and they have lots of friends because they're always doing everything and and the other friends are always on the receiving end and they're always the beneficiaries of it all man we he's my he's my best friend because he just keeps on giving me stuff and buying me stuff and taking us there and so just think about the people in your life uh they these people uh, that are always on the receiving end, they never say, hey, buddy, you bought last time, let me buy this time. Because they're thinking, you got so much money, you can afford it all the time, and why would I use my money if, if you've got a whole lot more than me? And so that's not really a true friendship. Because friendship is reciprocal. It goes back and forth. It's, it's give and take. And you are there for each other and you help each other out. We're not, if you're just there to get everything and get everything and get everything, that's not really a friendship. That's just kind of a, a, a taking away from that. And so think about the people in your life, those people that are always taking from you. They're only concerned about their needs and never about your needs. They're not interested in your wants and your needs. And every time they show up or every time you see their, their, their number calling you, you know that they need something. And uh, let me ask you, how healthy is that friendship? Do you consider them a close friend, a true friend, or one of these, those friends that are bugging you all the time? Or do you roll your eyes when you see them calling you because you know, you know they need something? Is that how, how healthy is that friendship? So far in talking about our friend Jesus, I've mentioned the contributions to this relationship, to this friendship. And so far it kind of sounds like Jesus has done everything. 
He did all the groundwork for our relationship. He, he did everything. He, he paid the price for our salvation. He bought us. He, he's preparing a place in his father's house with many mansions. And we can't wait to go to get our mansion because my friend Jesus has a lot of money and he's powerful. And I can't wait to go with him. He's, it sounds like Jesus is kind of doing everything. And we're just kind of like, yeah, keep on giving, Lord. Keep giving it to me. I need some more gifts and I, I need all this. And he did all this while we were his enemy, all in hopes that some would be moved by his actions and say, I want to be his friend. I want to be his friend. He died for me, and so I want to look, look into his life and see what is it that he wants uh, of me. And, and, and James 2.23, our scripture says, Scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God and was imputed on him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. The only person in the Bible to be called the friend of God, and James capitalizes friend, capital friend, is Abraham, the friend of God. Now we know uh, it references other times when God was talking to Moses. It says he stood to him face to face like a friend does. And obviously, God has many friends, but in the Bible, the, the title friend of God is really only specifically capital F is given to Abraham as the friend of God. And so how did Abraham become the friend of God? It's simple, by contributing to the relationship, by giving something to it. God, you've done this for me. I want to give back to you because that's what friends do, right? Where it's a give and take. It's a reciprocal relationship. We go around, we help each other out. And so by contributing to the relationship, Abraham did not get to be the friend of God by doing nothing. He didn't just take and take and take and take and take from God and, and God and turns around and says, man, that's my friend. He takes everything I have. No, Abraham said, what can I do to be your friend? What can I do to be your friend? And, and what does God tell Abram to do? He says, leave your father's house. Get out from your father's house. Leave that city that you live in. Leave behind your identity. Leave behind your name. Leave behind your life. Leave behind your kingdom and forsake all of that and go to a land that I will show you and I will take care of you and I will provide for you. And, and Abraham didn't just say, well, I believe God. That sounds great, God. You make me a great nation. Uh, multiply my seed. You know, give me the, the sand as the sea and the stars of the sky will be my, will be my seed. You'll make a mighty nation out of me. You'll make a great name out of me. Man, that sounds great, God. I like it. I believe in you, God. I believe in your promises. No, God said, if you believe in me, and if you believe in the promises that I have for you, then you're going to have to do something about it. You're going to have to leave your old life, Abram. Get out from your father's house and come and follow me into a place you don't even know. That was, that was unheard of back then because there was safety in living in the city. Like, you just don't walk out in the wilderness. We don't even do that now, and it's 2020. Imagine doing that 6,000 years ago without a, a gun or anything like that. We wouldn't do it today. 
And 6,000 years ago, God says, Abram, leave behind this great city and walk out into the Everglades, and I'll meet you out there somewhere, and I'll show you where I want you to, well, I'll build a place for you. And so it was, it was an act of faith, a great act of faith for Abraham to say, okay, God, I'm going to do that. I'll follow after you. And so, so Abraham did that, and that was the beginning of the great friendship. Why? Because Abraham started to contribute, say, okay, God, you said uh, you want me to do that, so I'll do that because we're friends. And we began to build this relationship, this friendship that they had, and so both sides had to contribute in order for the relationship to be healthy. And if we are wanting to be the friend of God, we too are going to have to contribute to the relationship because God has done all, he's done a lot. He's done a lot. We can never keep up. We can never match what God does. But just the little things that God asks us to do, we should be saying, okay, God, that's, that's so little. I'm going to do that. If that's what you want me to do, I'll be your friend. I'll do that because I want to be in relationship with you. I want to follow after you after all that you have done for me. Musicians, if you would come. And look at what our friend Jesus says in John 15. He says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Now, Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. Jesus is God. We humans aren't going to pull any wool over Jesus' eyes. We try to. Even nowadays, we still try to. He knows everything, and it's, it's funny that he says, you'll be my friends if you do what I say. But what is he saying? If you contribute to the relationship, we'll be friends. But if, I, if you want me to continue, keep doing everything, that's not really a friendship. And you're not really going to be my friend. And so since Jesus is wealthy, he knows that there are going to be a lot of people that will be saying, oh, I want to be his friend and I want to go to heaven. Uh, the other place doesn't sound good, but I just heaven sounds great. And so what do I need to do? Whose friend do I need to be to hitch on to piggyback so I can go up there? With him, and so uh, that is why Jesus says, "You can only be my friend, but only if you do what I say you need to do." And that's where it can kind of get tricky because if we don't want to do it, then how can how do we expect to get the benefits of the friendship if we don't do what he asks? And so, you can be my friend if you contribute to the relationship. I've pretty much done everything. But if you are willing to contribute, if you are willing to do what I ask you to do, then you can be my friend. Aren't you grateful for the opportunity that Jesus gives to say anybody can be his friend? That he doesn't discriminate. He doesn't care how much money you have or you don't have. He doesn't care if you are popular or if you have no friends. He doesn't care if you if people know your name or not. Jesus doesn't care about that. Jesus is an equal opportunity friend maker. And he wants to be everybody's friend. He wants you to come live with him in the kingdom of God. Uh, and I'm thankful for that because I know that I don't deserve it. I know that I don't deserve to be with him and to go where he wants us to go. I don't deserve the opportunity to be here after all that I've done, after all the life that I've lived. But even still, God commanded his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
And so because he died for me, when I hated him, when I didn't want anything to do with him, when I didn't care about his silly book or silly rules or uh, living a, a good and righteous lifestyle, when I was trying so consumed about doing what I wanted to do, even still Jesus says, I'm going to die for you. And so because of that, that moving action, whatever, God, you want me to do, I want to do it. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. What I, I want to be with you. I want to be a friend of God. I want to do and go wherever you ask me to go because I want to be your friend. Does anyone else want to be the friend of God? After all that he has done, after he has touched our lives and brought us out of, he wants to be your friend and we want to be his friend. If you stand with me today. And so what are some of the things that Jesus commands us to do? If we are to become his friend, what things do I need to do to contribute to this relationship, this new relationship or this one that I haven't really thought about before? But there is a friendship out there that is waiting for every single one of us to be a part of. John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Jesus tells us here that if you want to see the kingdom of God where he's, he lives and where he's preparing a place for all his friends, it sounds nice, but Jesus is saying, you're not even going to see it unless you are born again. And he's passionate about this. He says, marvel not. Marvel not, I said unto you, you need to be born again. He, he's prepared a place for his friends to come and live with him in the kingdom of God. But he says, friend, you need to be born again if you want to come in. You need to be born again. You need to be born of the water. You need to be born of the Spirit. And so uh, turn to your neighbor and say, born of the water. That means you need to be baptized. If you want to be a friend of God, you've got to be born of the water, as Jesus says. And he says you need to be born of the Spirit. And so tell your other neighbor, tell them you need to receive the Holy Ghost if you want to be the friend of God. Because Jesus says, you're my friend if you do what I command you. And he says, you need to be born again. Born of the water and of the spirit. And I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, and we need to be born of the water and of the spirit. But Jesus did not just tell Nicodemus this. He told his disciples. He told all his followers this as well. If you guys want to be my friends, then you guys need to be born again. Again, he's not, he does not discriminate. The same equal opportunity to everybody. And the opportunity starts with you need to be born again. And we know that he told his closest friends this. Because they get up and they say the same thing to other people. In Acts chapter 2 verse 37. Now when they heard this, that means 
uh, Peter stands up and he's talking to them. He's preaching to them like I am to you today. He's preaching to them about Jesus and how uh, they crucified him, how Jesus died for them, and how he wants to be their friend. Uh, they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and unto the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They asked Peter, and they also said, You apostles, Peter and all the apostles, you guys were with him. I wasn't with him. I, would, I didn't live every day with him for three and a half years. The only people that know what to do are the apostles because they were the ones that were with him. Men and brethren, what do we need to do to fix this relationship? Because it's too one-sided, and I want to be the friend of God. And, and Peter, verse 38, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, that's born of the water, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, that's being born of the Spirit. And so even Peter stands up and says, hey, you guys, everybody can be the friend of God, but here you go. You need to repent of your sins. You need to tell God you're sorry for all that you have done. And you need to be, be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost, born of the water and born of the Spirit, exactly what Jesus is saying. And so today... Friend Day 2020, before we go and eat, I want to make sure that we all have the opportunity to become the friend of God. If you're the friend of God now, that's great. If you're not sure, we want to give everyone the opportunity to make sure that you are a friend of God. I want to be his friend. And, and if that means I have to be baptized in Jesus' name, we have like 85, 90 degree water right here ready to go. We have towels. We have robes. You can be eating out there today with the same dry clothes you have on right now. The only thing that would be different is you have a wet hair and you'll become a friend of God. That meal will be so much better than it was before. And so we want to follow the commandment of Jesus and the apostles to become the friend of God, to embark on this new relationship, this friendship. And so what we're going to do, as Peter commanded, he first said we, ought, we need to repent. And so we're all going to do that together at the same time because we're all in the same boat. We don't deserve to be here. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve all the great things that God has done for us. And so the first thing that we need to do is that we need to repent. And that means basically asking God uh, for forgiveness, telling him you're sorry for all the things that you have done, the thoughts, the things you've said, the actions, and the things you haven't done. And there's no way that we can even uh, name them all. There's just too many. You're, just, you're too guilty. We're too guilty. And so we just ask God to forgive us of our sins. And so we're going to do that together um, in prayer. And then after that, we're going to give an opportunity for somebody, anybody, if you want, have not been baptized in Jesus' name, we want to give you that opportunity to become a friend of God as well today. If you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that's not how the apostles went around and baptized. 
The name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. And so baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, it has to be in Jesus' name because it's all about the name. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. At the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow, every tongue will confess. And so we need to be baptized in Jesus' name in order to become Jesus' friend. Makes sense. Hey, I got baptized in your name. I'm your friend. That makes sense. Because Father, Son, Holy Ghost, those are titles. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a pastor. I'm a brother. I'm the same. I'm, but my name, what's my name? My name's Phil. It's got to be done in Jesus' name as the apostles did. Remember, men and brethren, apostles, what do we do? You apostles were the only ones with him. What do we need to do? And so why are they going around in the book of Acts baptizing in Jesus' name? They knew something. And we need to do that as well. And so we're going we're gonna to repent right now. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. And so if you want to want to bow your heads and just pray. You have to pray too. I can't pray for you, but we're just going to pray together. Let's do that right now. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you, God, for this time, this opportunity. Lord, that we can come into this place today. Lord, we know that we are not worthy, Jesus. We know, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You took our place upon the cross, Lord. I ask you, Jesus, Lord, to forgive me. Forgive me, Jesus, of any bad thing that I've said, any bad thought that I've had, any bad deed that I have done, God, and forgive me of the things that I should have done that I have not done, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your love. Why don't we clap our hands? Why don't we thank him for forgiving us? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for all that you have done. And so if you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, if you would be so brave to step out in faith or tell somebody near you, why don't you ask your neighbors earlier that you said, what, born of the water is baptism, why don't you ask your friends around you, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? If not, you can come with me and we can go get baptized. You can do that right now, ask, your, ask them, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Are you, the friend, are you a friend of God? And if you haven't, you can come down. You can get that done today in Jesus' name because I want to obey what the Bible says. Do we have anybody that wants to get baptized? So think about that for a moment. And we're going to have, uh, if you have not received the Holy Ghost, if you have not been born of the water and of the Spirit, God has that gift for you today as well. And we want to give an opportunity for that too. And so if you have not received the Holy Ghost, according to the Bible, it says you're going to speak with another language. There's going to be a sound that is follow those that are born of the Spirit. And so if you want to ask, ask your neighbor, have you been born of the Spirit? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? If you have not, God can give that to you today. We also believe in the Bible. The Bible talks about healings, miracles, signs and wonders. Does anybody believe in that? Even though it was written a long time ago, we still believe it applies to us today. And so if you need prayer, the Bible mentions about praying for others, laying hands upon the sick. 
uh, and believing and praying for them. And so if you have a need too in your body that you're just you're dealing with something, you need prayer for your family, you need prayer for your job, your situation, you're sick, uh, we want to provide an opportunity for that as well. And so if you need anything in your life, I want to invite you to come down to the front uh, as a body. Why don't we come down? If you need prayer specifically, come on down. We'll pray for you. If you want to be baptized, we can take you and get you baptized. And so come on, we're going to spend some moments and time in prayer. We're going to sing worship song unto the Lord. And if you know somebody or somebody's mentioned to you that they want to be baptized and need the Holy Ghost, we're going to do that together right now. If you need prayer, come on down. If, you need to, if you're sick, we believe God can heal you today. Come on down. Let's pray. Let's spend a few minutes in prayer today. Come on, let's do that together. Let's worship the Lord. Let's thank him. Thank you, Jesus.